0: gang. What's up? I'm so excited to be back on the mic. And I have such a cool guest today. Her name is Lacey. She's an entrepreneur, a retired NFL wife, a mother. She just does a whole bunch of stuff. So without further ado, Miss Lacey, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for taking time to have me on your show. I'm excited to see how this goes today. I've been following you on TikTok. And I feel like from what I've seen, you're just so real on TikTok and on social media in general. And I feel like that's rare nowadays. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Honestly, I think that, I think that people recognize real. And I think that I was so like, I think in the beginning when I did decide to get on social media, I realized that there was You know, what was making people popular was not necessarily what I identified with. And I realized the more that I began to show my authentic self, my personality, that is what gained people interested. Like, I felt like I started finding my tribe, per se. And I felt like the people that identified with that, those are the people that would connect with me. And then the people that didn't, well, I mean, they could go find what they were looking for. So I think that's kind of what I wanted people to see is just my truth, you know, share my authentic truth. And you share a lot, honestly, a lot about your family, about your journey. And for the people who don't follow you on social media, how would you answer this question? Who is Lacey? You know what? I think for me, so, and I get this question a lot when I talk to different people. Um, First and foremost, I would say that, um, you know, I'm a believer. I wear my faith proudly. And then secondly, you know, I'm a wife and a mother. And I definitely take those um, as probably the the two most important jobs that I have. And then aside from those, I'm a business owner. You know, I I have a behavioral health outpatient facility um, in Tempe, Arizona. And then I'm also an empowerment coach. And I meet with people and, you know, share about um, how to really restore your, not only your mental health, but your physical health, your wellness, you know. And then side of that, I do a lot of motivational speaking and keynote speaker, which is something that I really love doing. I love to pour into people. So when people think of like, who is Lacey? I would want them to uh, know me as a woman who is a faith, a businesswoman, entrepreneur, you know, I left my corporate job to jump into entrepreneurship when I decided to open a behavior health outpatient facility. But for over 10 years, I worked for one of the top medical schools. And kind of like you, I knew that there were a lot of limitations. And being um, sometimes, not sometimes, let me just go home and keep it very real, being one of the only people that looked like me in the room, um, it was hard to work up that corporate ladder. And I knew that I really was not fulfilling my purpose because I felt like I wasn't really able to serve in the capacity that I wanted to. So I knew that I was going to have to take a leap of faith and then that was kind of how I decided to to leave corporate um, America to really pursue my endeavors with, you know, opening up a behavioral health practice. I was already doing like a lot of the relationship coaching and I think that that kind of organically came when I started sharing my story and started sharing my testimony about my own marriage. And people started actually seeing like, oh my gosh, people can be divorced and get remarried. And wait a minute, how did that work? And, you know, and just really sharing that aspect of my life, people, women would start, you know, sending me private messages and, you know, and I would just, you know, share, Hey, this is what worked, or this is what we did. And then it was like, wait, you can get money doing this Wait, People actually will come to you for relationship coaching or for counseling. And so that's kind of how you know, that kind of came to part, I guess I would say. Yeah, your marriage is something that I definitely want to touch on. But before I go there, you mentioned something so interesting about being the only person that look like you in certain rooms. And I've definitely gone through that and it doesn't get easier the more you do it. Some people think it's like, oh, you know, when you do it a bunch of times, it almost just feels like that's what's natural, but it doesn't. And I wanted to ask you, how do you navigate rooms and, and build relationships in places where black women don't normally do that. That is such a good, that's such a good question because I definitely agree with you about the fact that it never, it never gets easier. It doesn't. You, sometimes you kind of feel like, I don't, I hate to say like that token, you know, and you don't want to feel like that. Right. But when you are, it doesn't get easier because you're like, why is there not more of us here at this table? But I do think it's important to be able to develop relationships in whatever room that you go in. I have been very blessed to be able to sit at various tables, and even though yes, I might have the education and you know the background to qualify me to be in some of these rooms, it still doesn't um, take away sometimes the intimidation when you're the only female or one of the youngest minorities in the room, and you're sitting with you know these billion-dollar owners of teams, or you're sitting with, you know, people who can put you in a position to ultimately change the narrative for other people like you. So it's very important, I think, to make sure, you know, when I do go into these different rooms that I do introduce myself, but not only that I know what I'm talking about, but that I'm confident in what I'm saying, because I think that people, as I mentioned before, they, they understand real, and they connect with that. And I think for me, what has been a blessing is that when I show up, I show up as my authentic self and and it resonates with people, whether I'm talking to a billion dollar owner of a team or, you know, a janitor, I'm authentic and people can resonate with that. I really try to connect with people in a way that when I leave, they don't forget who I am. That And that's not easy. I think it takes time. And I also think that's where being transparent comes in. Like I had no idea you were even following me, and when I um, went to your page, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I love what she's talking about!" And just you know, s- seeing the commonality of you know, you know, you being a younger wife, NFL wife, and um, just being showing your authentic truth and being transparent for me, it's it's just confirmation that says, or you know, for me, that God's saying, "Lacey, people see you. You don't have to be. You don't have to have all these crazy numbers." Of social media followers or you don't have to be walking around completely flawless every day. Like people quote assume that quote us NFL wives look like every day and that's just not authentic. The real people will recognize real. And for me, that was just like, God, I see you. People don't really understand the struggles of being an NFL wife simply because like for me, I don't have a full time job anymore. Um, And of course I post about that on TikTok and Instagram because that's my truth. Like I'm not going to sit up here and lie. I'm not on TV at Fox 54 anymore. So if you turn it on, you're not going to see me. And here's why, you know, but I think some people, especially on TikTok, they eat me up in the comments because it's like, oh, so you're only with him for his money. We're supposed to look flawless, our lives are flawless, and it's just not, honestly. It's not what people think it is, but you're like the queen of that. You know that, you've been through it. Do you have any advice? I would say I certainly can relate to moving all over the place because when my husband Lewis was playing, we were literally everywhere. He played for the Panthers and I'm from Charlotte, so I'm feeling it. Okay, okay, and you know what? Honestly, I'm not just saying this because you're from Charlotte. I promise you, I, I people would always say, oh, well, what team or what city did you guys like the most? And for me, I I always tell people Charlotte is the only place outside of my home, which is California, that I would have considered making a home base. But I think back to your question, I would just say is if you are an NFL wife and you are kind of in that stage where you are possibly moving and you haven't necessarily got to the place where you guys are like stat, you know, going to be staying somewhere for a long time, it's so important to still do something for you. I think as NFL wives, we sometimes because we don't necessarily have that freedom of OK, I'm going to plant here. There's still so many things that you can do for you so that you don't lose your identity in your significant other. And I say that lightly because I just I recall always putting maybe him first, so to speak, you know, and there's nothing wrong with putting your, your, your partner first and doing all these things that we end up doing when we're in a position of, you know, being a partner of a professional athlete and having to move around. But don't lose yourself. Make sure you're doing something for you. If that's going back to school, if that's, you know, volunteering, you know, at a local organization or, you know, connecting with other, you know, wives or women, find your own community so that you do have something to fall back on because there's going to be a time when those roles will reverse. You know, when you are in a place of, okay, you know, he's taking care of things He's he's holding it down and that's a beautiful thing, and you're holding it down, making sure he has what he needs and it's you know, peace at home and all that. But when those roles reverse, when his career is over, then that's kind of like I ran track, so I like to use analogy. Now you he might have to hand the baton to you, and you're gonna be able to have to take off. And if you have not put yourself in a position, even for the both of you, to where that's a smooth transition. Then you start dealing with a lot of the things that, uh, unfortunately, our families struggle with, like 80 percent of marriages in the NFL end in divorce. And a lot of that comes within the first two years of that NFL transition. So it's so important, I would say, is to kind of prepare for that, you know, and 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 not to be in a negative light, but just even in an emotional um, Like, you know, make sure that you have mentally prepared and put things in in place in perspective so that when that transition happens, you're good. And it's not like, oh, my gosh, we have to pick up and go. Or, oh, my gosh, where's the savings at? Oh, my God. Like, you already kind of have prepared. That stat just slapped me 80 percent. 80. How did you and your husband rekindle your marriage? How did that work? How did that happen? Girl. I want all the dirty details. Oh, Lord, let me tell you. So yeah, it was definitely dirty. It was just, it was dirty. But um, from start to finish, not to bore you, I never wanted a divorce. When I decided or when I said, you know what, I'm done, get out and not those nice choice words. (laughs) I really wanted just the behavior to change. And when I said, you know, I'm getting a you know, I want a divorce, it was really, I want you to change. And when I talk to people and when I especially women who are struggling in the relationships, I always talk to them about the power of your words. There wasn't one thing in particular that made me want to get a divorce. It was several things over a period of several years that was like, what the hell are we doing at this point? You know what I mean? My husband and I were college sweethearts, so way before there is any money involved, way before there was even an NFL career even thought of. He was honestly the love of my life since I was 18 years old. The idea of you know him going to the NFL came like our senior year of college. We had already had our son our senior year of college. So when my husband went into the NFL, he had already been in a very long-term relationship for five years and had a child. He went in with a lot of responsibility. However... We both know that a baby doesn't make somebody ready to be committed and let alone um, married if that was not something he had never seen. I grew up with both of my parents being married and everyone in my family being married. My husband grew up in the system. So from the age of three until he went away to college, he was in the system. And he's like one of 14. (laughs) So his dynamics were different. And even though I had all these signs that he was not ready to get married, I was so adamant on, we got to get married. Let's get married. Because I felt like, well, we had a child. Um, We needed to be married. And so the first time that we got married was not on solid foundation. So when you say, okay, let's start to finish, this is a start to finish. The first time my husband and I got married, it was literally out of me wanting to show everybody else. And when I'm referring to everybody else, I'm talking about all these the groupies and all of that (laughs) she laughing but you said you came to me because i'm real so i'm gonna get you real i felt like i wanted to prove something to to them now ha 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 i got them, and really that was just not obviously the foundation it should have been on four months before we were supposed to get married i kept finding a cell phone and my husband was or my he was my fiance at the time he was saying that it was his teammates and long story short we know that it wasn't his teammates and so we ended up calling off our wedding four months before four months before the first time we got married. We ended up calling it off. I was devastated. I flew back to California, moved back home with my parents. You know, I was got really involved in my church church family and um, singles ministry, and really just focused on myself and our and our children. One day he called me and he said, "Lacey, I know what I want." It was a it was a year had passed. I know what I want. Um, You know, I'm ready to be married. I want my family back. You know, I'm ready to get married. But there's one thing that I gotta tell you. And I'm like, well, what what could it be? You know, I'm like, what is it? I've been waiting for a whole year for this. And he says, well, there's this girl out here in Charlotte that she thinks she's pregnant. And I'm like, what? So I went from waiting all this time to hear, you know, I love you. I'm ready to. But there's this girl out here that's saying she's pregnant. And so I mean, my heart just sunk to my stomach. Uh, but again, that whole year that I had went home, I had been praying for my husband or fiance at the time. and really just asking God to restore my family. And, you know, we, at this time, he had already had our second child and it was like, he was, I was devastated. But because I had been praying and fasting for my family, when he called, I said, well, God, maybe this is you because, you know, I mean, this is what I've wanted. I remember flying out to Charlotte, um, cause I said, well, if you want your family back, I want to know the truth. I want to meet this girl because of, you know, he had said, I, I told her I want my fiance back. I'm telling everything is out in the open. So I'm like, okay, well, we're going to, I want to meet with this girl. So I flew back to Charlotte. Um, we set it up so this young lady could meet us out for dinner so that I can meet her. Oh my gosh. I was living that TV show, The Game. That was my life, girl. I couldn't even watch the TV show. That's how triggering it was. It was, it was, and the crazy part about it was like, I was living it in real time. So I remember me and him meeting the girl at, at a restaurant. Um, I think maybe Maggiano's or something. And she came and, uh, she came in waddling big, pregnant. And I mean, I'm just like, this cannot be my life. But I held it together. And I remember him introducing us. She sat there. The three of us had a conversation. And I remember it just being, Along the lines of, hey, this is my fiance. Look, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to restore our family. She understands that you're pregnant. If this baby is mine, we're willing to do what we need to do. And the girl was a lot older than us. She was established. She wasn't the typical groupie, surprisingly, that I had experienced back in the day. Long story short, we did the dinner and all of that. Now that I kind of, everything was out in the open, I was like, well, now I'm ready to get married. But really, it was just like I'm about to prove to these folks I don't care your baby don't mean nothing. All these other girls that was fighting for a spot didn't mean anything. And at that time, he was like, "Baby, I'm gonna do whatever you want to do." So we ended up getting married in Charlotte. Um, it was only he, I, and our kids, and then two of our good friends who were actually our neighbors, <laughs> and they, and we got married. But it was not. I mean, we had a wedding planned with everyone, and then we. Called it off. So when I went back and got married, it was not what I had planned. You know, it was like he, we got married after practice. <laughs> I had on some jeans and a tank top. It just was not what I had envisioned. But lo and behold, we were married, and 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 I felt like okay, I'm gonna make this work. This is the first time he even came clean on himself. So and things were were good. Things were good. Then he ended up getting hurt. Then he ended up getting injured. Then he ended up getting cut. So all these different factors came in. And once he had got, um, I think the last team he got cut from was like the Broncos. We moved back to California and, and then, and I'm fine because when we, when I was in Charlotte, I had went back to school and that's when I had started my master's program and stuff. And then I was still finishing my program when, um, he got cut, but I'm like, we both have college degrees. I'm about to be finished with my master's. Like we'll get jobs. It was a no brainer. Well, really for him, he was still dealing with the loss of his identity. And back then I couldn't see that because I'm thinking if you're so depressed that you're not in the league, like that's somebody's not, you don't party if you're depressed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then that's really when our relationship really took a turn for the worse because we began arguing again. And then just, you know, I didn't trust him because he's partying, hanging out all night. And then I, you know, checking the phone. It was just, yeah, it was just chaos. Um, And shortly after we had, he had got cut, the girl ended up having the baby. Girl, we ended up taking a DNA test. Zero percent probability. He was not the father. So I'm like, let me find out. You had me tell all my family and my mom and my daddy and put you out there on blast. The baby is not yours. Now everybody know the business and that's not your baby. It it for sure was a wake up call. Even then, Ayana, I felt like he also maybe thought he dodged a bullet because it was like, okay, I got my girl back. Ooh, now that that baby, not mine. Now I can live my bed. life. But then when he got cut and he wasn't getting p- picked back up, which he has thought, okay, I'm gonna get picked back up. He thought he was gonna go back to the NFL. He really internalized like, like, what am I doing with my life? And so for him, it went with hanging out, partying. And, you know, me and my husband are both Greek and uh he was, some of his frat was in town and he was gonna, I guess, go hang out with some of his frat. And he went like the first two nights. And by the third night, I remember saying, well, can you just like not, not tonight? and I, he still went. That for me, whatever that was, was just like the trigger that I was like, you know what? If you go, don't come back. I said those things out of anger. I let my husband walk out my life not knowing that what I thought would be maybe a week or a few days turned into six years. He and I were divorced for six years. And during that time, it really took both of us to, to grow and to mature. But It wasn't until I think once we separated that we both started seeking God for ourselves was, I I would say, probably like the game changer is that Lewis realized that he needed God first for himself because everything that he was seeking, partying, all those different things, he was not being fulfilled. I always, I, I never stopped praying for Lewis. Um, and I don't think the prayer was like, oh, Lord Jesus, bring him back. Because again, I was doing my thing, you know, like if I'm, we outside, we outside, we outside. You know, it took a while for me to get to that point. And I didn't know it then, but God began to move like he had never moved before. And all the hurt, all the weight that I probably had carried, you know, I continued, I finished with my divorce. I, we ended up finalizing it. But everything that the enemy took from me, God began to restore. Because even when Lewis and I went through our divorce, I didn't go after anything. I walked away with completely nothing but my last name. I said, I want to keep keep this last name um, because I worked for it. And you know, my kids had it. And so he ended up like, I don't know, maybe a year after that, after he got really sick, He had called and he was saying he was going to relocate back to Fresno where we live. And um, conveniently, he found a place right around the corner from my house. And honestly, we were literally just co-parenting. But because of the fact that when we were apart for so long and we were living in different cities, like three hours away from each other, I was essentially a single parent. And when he decided to relocate back to Fresno... I thought the girl was coming, the girlfriend, because hell, at this point, I'm sending my kids to L.A. They say that you're a good babysitter. So I ain't tripping. My my kids are big now. Like, oh, my gosh. And then he had said, oh, no, I'm going by myself. I still didn't think anything of it because of the fact that I'm single. I'm dating. It wasn't even a relationship with he and I. It was just like integrated. Like he organically integrated himself back into the family with like, oh, well, I can pick them up from school. I can do this because, again, six years is a long time. And so then I, you know, I started noticing again, me and my kids would get up on Sundays and go to church. That was our thing even before you moved to the city. So then I would notice he would be at the church or he would beat us to church. Um, And honestly, I just, we, I really just fell back in love with him. I was guarded for a long time because I went through a lot, you know, I was hurt, but I realized that, like, God can heal, God can restore, um, you know, and it's okay to forgive. There were things that, you know, I'm sure He even had to forgive me for. I understand. Yeah. By us going to therapy, it really, for the first time, allowed us to hear what each other were saying and what each other were going through in regards to, well, why did our marriage end? What happened? Mm -hmm. We just realized that we, you know, we wanted to get remarried and so we were abstinent. We didn't, you know, engage in sex or anything like that while we were, you know, dating or courting and all that. Um oh I just praise God when I think about it because I just I know how far we've come and it ain't nothing but God. It wouldn't have happened without God. The hurt, I feel like the hurt that some women go through, they hold on to it so long because they aren't active in their faith. They can't give it to God. They can't give it to anyone because they're just carrying it with them every day. And it's honestly just exhausting. Like if you take a self audit and just think like, well, how did I feel carrying this around all day? You're tired, your stomach hurts, like your hair is a mess. It's, It's a lot. It's a lot to carry. And I think that women... Don't realize when you carry that, not only do you affect you, but you start affecting your children. Because a lot of times people stay in relationships or marriages for the kids, right? I love my... Anybody that knows me, knows how I rock with Landon and them is my number one... Like, those are my best friends. I love them to death. I will do anything for them. But I couldn't stay in a marriage for them. I mean, I remember when we were even married and I was going through and my dad was like, Lacey... I used to, you know, try to put myself together. Girl, I can put myself together. Kids talking to me, I don't hear them. I don't know what they're talking about. They probably hungry. I don't feel like cooking. Like all these different things, it was, there's no way you're going to be good for anybody if you're not good for you. And so as much as I love my children, I knew getting a divorce, like we needed to go through that. I couldn't be in her. there's no way I could have sustained the marriage, the way that it was going, the behavior, the interaction, me arguing, all of him, the drama, there was just no way. And so even though I'm not proud um, that we went through a divorce, and even though I do encourage people to try to fight for your marriage if you can, and if it's a healthy situation, um, I... I know it was what we needed, unfortunately. You've really been through a lot, honestly. Just like hearing you talk about it and how it didn't break your, like Beyonce said, break your soul. But- I really commend you for that. Just your strength in general. Sometimes you pray for you pray for strength and sometimes it's like, God, are you even hearing me? But it comes over time and I think you're a true testament to that. You're not just gonna all of a sudden one day stop everything. Like it, it doesn't happen that way. And it's good that it doesn't because along the way you learned so many life lessons and you have. Absolutely. It definitely um I don't think that I went through any of the things that I went through for just me. And that is honestly I don't know why I I share my story, uh, you know, on social media or when I'm doing conferences or whatever, because I know I'm not the only person, the only woman that has gone through some of these things or who is currently going through. There's a lot of um, wives of athletes or just wives in general that sometimes go through things by themselves and they feel like no one else is. and they're suffering or they're battling depression alone. It was the main reason I started our behavioral health company. It's called Tackle Health. And it's because I don't want people to ever, ever have to tackle their mental health alone. That is so cool. Just seeing how everything kind of unfolded from the very beginning all the way to now. I appreciate you for opening up. You gave me all the dirty details. Girl, you got all the dirty details. It is what it is. But no, I appreciate you taking time to Um, invite me on the show and really just to fellowship with you. I mean, I'm always wanting to connect with um, other wives or just other women in general. And especially, like you said, real women. (laughs) I I certainly um, respect that and look forward to seeing all these amazing things on your um, podcast and your platform.